I want to share a short story. It's a little bit corny, so you guys hang with me, right? It's a little cheesy for early on a Sunday morning, but um, two weeks ago, my uh, 10-year-old son and I, we went on a weed-tackling spree. And uh, for those of you who know me, I'm pretty OCD, and most people spray for weeds, right? But um, not me. I spray and I pluck. So uh, two weeks ago, uh, my 10-year-old son and I embarked on a weed-hunting journey. And the thing about what is it? It was 9.30 at night. So my son is like, Dad, it's, it's 9.30. And uh, I'm like, buddy, we're going to get these weeds. That's the cheesy part. Here's how God intersected me in that whole event. So as we're plucking these weeds, I realized that I was able to get the, remember I'm OCD, so I'm getting the entire weed and the root with my index finger and my thumb and plucking the whole thing up, right? Very satisfying for an OCD personality. <laughs> three months earlier, <laughs> three months earlier, my son and I were doing the same thing. We had moved into the house and it had never been de-weeded. And what God brought into my mind at that moment was how difficult, incredibly difficult it was three months ago to dig up the weeds. We were literally out there with hammers, the backside of the hammer, the claw part, you know what I'm talking about? Having to like strike it and then dig down and like a lot of pressure to get the weed up. And God brought some things into my mind and I, I told it to my son and he was like, Dad, you're really gonna bring the Bible into this? I said, <laughs> I said, I am. And I wanna share it with you. Um, Colossians chapter 2, this is how Paul talked about it, and he, he was, God was breathing through him these words, but just keep in your, in your mind a picture of the really weak weed and the really, really strong weed. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, and now, just as you trusted Christ to save you, trust him too for each day's problems. Live in vital union with him. Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him. See that you go on growing in the Lord and become strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. Let your lives overflow with joy and thanksgiving for all he has done. So God has brought in my mind, like we're not weeds, right? But we've been planted, we're trees that have been planted. And we may have received God's truth, but the challenge God presented to me is, Kevin, are you growing in my truth? Now, I've, I've, that conversation with the Lord this week has looked like, God, I absolutely believe you are the one way, the one truth, and the one life. And that no man can come to the Father except by you. So what am I doing? So I just want to encourage you guys with that. All the songs this morning are built around this idea of being built up and rooted in God's truth. So remain standing. We're going to start out. We're going to sing Take My Life. We haven't sung this one in a long time. So.
Righteousness is what I long for. Righteousness is what I need. Righteousness, righteousness is what you singing about that and I just want to encourage you guys to uh, make this next song your prayer um, that a holy God who knows all sees all uh, would cleanse us from all that God would give us clean hands and that's obviously a daily um, act of fellowship with the Lord that he would cleanse us from all unrighteousness just make that your prayer this morning
All of you guys are going to know this next song. You remember a little song called As the Deer? We'll sing that together. and um, Love that visual of the deer panting after the water. And the idea is um, that we recognize that there's only one truth, one way, and one life. Um, and that because of that, um, we're going to him to draw, out, <clears throat> to draw out life. No other source can give us life except for Jesus Christ. And so that's what this song uh, is about. Sing as the deer. As the deer panted for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship Thank you guys, that was great. It really um, goes well with what we'll be considering today. <laughs> it's amazing how the Lord does that. Are you glad you're here today? Amen. Yeah, every once in a while you have to ask just to, to make sure. Um, I think it's easy to lose sight at times on why we're here and 
Don't ever want church to become a checklist in your life. It's, it's a privilege to be associated with the body of Christ, to be able to come together and, and worship just like we sing. Um, worship's not confined to just singing. It's the Word. It's meditating on the Word. Um, it's, it's being in the presence of the Lord. I mean, you know, where two or more gathered, He's with you. And so for us to be able to be here this morning, uh, what a privilege it is. You know, it's a picture of heaven. For all of those who belong to Christ today, there'll be one continual worship, I believe, of the Lord. I used to wonder when I was a kid, what in the world are we going to do with all that time since there really is no time, it's forever. I'm like, man, I'm going to get bored and the older I get in the Lord, I'm reminded there will be no boredom. We will be in awe of the one who made us, in awe of the one who saved us, in awe of the one who has given us truly the abundant life. So I hope that's how you um, think about that as we come to uh, this morning's study. Let's have a word of prayer uh, together. So Lord, we need your help. Your Spirit's the one that teaches us. Um, I pray that everything that's said this morning would um, be, be in honor of who you are and glorify who you are. And that um, you would just help us to remove those things that we may be thinking about that have absolutely nothing to do with why we're here. Remove those distractions, Lord. Help us to think about... Um, about you and about your word and how you might teach us today as we grow as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if there's some here today that don't know you, I pray that today their eyes could be open to the need, their need of Jesus Christ who is Savior and Lord. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. John Wesley preached his last sermon on February 17, 1791. That was just a few years ago. His message was, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Take it from Isaiah chapter 55. The following day, a very sick man, he was put to bed in his home. And during the days of illness, he often repeated the words from one of his brother's hymns, I, the chief of sinners, am, but Jesus died for me. His last words were, the best of all is, God is with us. And those were his final words. And if you remember from last week, we... Approach the subject of final words, and I just want to let you know, if you're visiting with us today, I am going through the book of Jonah. He's in the belly of the fish, and we have left him there. He's been there for a few weeks, and he'll be there in a few weeks when we pick him back up. But we typically like to go through book studies, and I enjoy doing that. I just want to kind of give an explanation of that if you're visiting with us today. Last week was just supposed to be a one-week uh, Perusal through 1 Kings 2 to look at the final words of David to his son Solomon, which has turned into more than I can really handle, to be honest with you. 
Um, I thought today I would be able to finish, and that's not going to be possible. But there's not going to be a part three. You're just going to have to study that and uh, on your own. But I want you to take your Bibles and go to 1 Kings chapter 2. And our focus today is going to be on the first part of verse 3. Um, you'll have to study the second part of verse 3 and verse 4. That'll be good for you, right? You can do that. And then you can tell me your findings. But for our purposes this morning, we want to focus in on, on verse 3. You remember last week that in David's final address to his son Solomon which we said the parallel passage to that is 1 Chronicles 28-29. I know you probably read that this week in your devotions. But um, as David's addressing Solomon, he, he, re, he refers to the subject of death. You remember that? In, in his uh, final message to him. And he says, I am going the way of all the earth. Just a phrase that was letting his son know, hey, look, I'm dying. We talked about that issue that, that we're all dying. Right? We're all dying. We're all facing that thing called death. And for all of us, death is a mystery. We haven't experienced it yet. But we believe here at Grace, and I believe personally, that because I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, when I die, I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. I hope that's true for you. I hope you know that without a shadow of a doubt. But David talked to Solomon about his frailty. And that he would die. And then he talked to him about his strength. The strength that he would need. Remember in 1 Chronicles we're told that he is young and he's inexperienced. And what does a young inexperienced king need to hear? David knew. David knew that this young man who was his son needed to hear that the strength that he needed came from the Lord. And that's the strength that he needed. In fact, 1 Chronicles uh, 28.20, I'm going to read that just to remind you. First Chronicles 28.20, um, David reminds Solomon of the importance of uh, depending on the Lord for his strength. In fact, he adds the word courageous. We talked about that. Then David said to his son Solomon, be strong and courageous and act. And do not fear nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you. How about that? That's pretty good, isn't it? Do you know that our God will never fail us or forsake us? That's, that's good stuff. And we don't need to forget it. And David didn't want his son to forget that. That no matter what he faced, that the Lord God was with him. And so that was the second part of his address. And we talked about that. Uh, last week in some detail. This morning, we want to address what's said to us in verse 3. Let's read verses 3 and 4 uh, together. Um, David says, Keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in His ways, to keep His statutes, His commandments, His ordinances, His testimonies according to what is written in the law of Moses, that you may succeed in all that you do and wherever you turn so that the Lord may carry out his promise, which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons are careful of their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. And so this morning, we want to look at the third part of this charge that David gives to his son. And I've entitled it this, An Encouragement to Fellowship. 
an encouragement to fellowship. Now, you say, where in the world did you get that from? Well, I'll be happy to tell you. Um, and I have to, to explain it uh, to you. Uh, and so I want us to look and specifically look at the first part of verse 3. Notice what he says. Keep the charge of the Lord your God. So right away, what does he acknowledge about Solomon? He acknowledges that the Lord was his God. Not only did David have relationship with the Lord, but it's indicated here through this phrase, keep the charge of the Lord who? Your God. So he's identifying here for us that Solomon indeed had a relationship with God. And it's, it's important to understand the distinction between relationship and fellowship. So the question becomes today, do you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? That speaks of relationship. The only way that you can have and I can have relationship with God the Father is through the Son, Jesus Christ. Kevin alluded to it in worship. Where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And so relationship with the Lord is wonderful. And once you come into a relationship with the Lord, the Bible tells us you're sealed by the Spirit of God until the day of redemption. You never have to worry about losing your salvation. He keeps you. You know, there's a lot of people that really focus in on, and I think this is a huge error, focus in on works when it comes to keeping their salvation. My friends, listen to me. The one who saved you is the one who keeps you. Okay? Your security is not tied to what you do. It's tied to what Christ did. Right? I mean, that's very, very important because you have a lot of people who are trying to maintain and I'm not saying, and Scripture's clear, that as believers, there ought to be this evidence in our lives that just flows out that we belong to the Lord. But it's very important when we think in terms of eternal security that we're not tying our eternal security to the works done for the Lord, but tying our eternal security to what the Lord has already done for us and having been sealed by the Spirit, being placed into the body of Christ, we are His eternally. You like that? And it's all based on what he has done. And so indicated here in verse 3 is that Solomon does indeed have a relationship with the Lord God. And in fact, if you kept reading through 1 Kings and you went back into Chronicles, you would see that uh, yourself. And so here he's really addressing the issue of fellowship with his Lord. That's what David wants him to experience, fellowship with the Lord God. And that's a different ballgame. I want you to just get a flavor for this because I think fellowship oftentimes is kind of misunderstood. When we think about fellowship, we think about one another, and that's true. We have fellowship with one another. But I think John had the right idea. I want you to take your Bibles. Turn with me to 1 John. I just want to show you this real quickly before we move on. So relationship is distinct from fellowship. Fellowship is something that we can enjoy with the Lord every day because we belong to him. And really, John defines that fellowship piece for us. And this is very important that we would hear this this morning. John writes, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. Look at this. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Who is he talking about? Jesus Christ. And the life was manifested and we have seen 
and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen, look at this, and heard we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. Now fellowship with the believer is very important. What bonds us together? Our relationship to Christ. But notice what he says here. So that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed, notice this is very important, our fellowship is with who? Is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. My friends, listen to me. That's where our fellowship starts. It's with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And that's important to understand, I think, as we move uh, forward. So David is dealing with Solomon's fellowship with the Lord God. And so he tells him, keep the charge of the Lord your God. Now that would be a phrase that typically maybe many would pass over. I'm not one of those kind of guys. So as I did some word study, I thought it was interesting, the word keep there. The word keep means to pay careful attention to someone or something. It means to watch closely. And do you know the first time that's used in the Bible? Right there for you, Genesis chapter 2. Where the Lord God took the man, put him into the Garden of Eden, he said, cultivate it and do what? Keep it. Watch it closely. And so, wow. Uh, looks like some pretty good instruction here that David has given to Solomon on watching closely something. What is it that he wants him to watch? Notice what it says, verse 3. Keep the charge of the Lord your God. The word charge there is the word that is in focus here. And the word charge means instruction. All right, it's the idea of instruction. So he says, keep the instruction of the Lord your God. That's what David is telling his son Solomon. And then he builds on that. He says, keep the charge of the Lord your God. And then he says, to walk in his ways to keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, his testimonies according to what is written in the law of Moses. I'm going to let you this afternoon after you eat study that part that says to keep his statutes, commandments, and so forth. You do that. I want to focus this morning on walking in the ways of the Lord. What in the world does that mean and how important is it that we would be committed as believers to walk in the ways of the Lord? There's a lot in that phrase that we need to understand. You know, when we think about the term walk, I think I have it in your handout, we think about uh, human locomotion. We think about what? Walking. And when we think about walking, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about making what? Progress. How many of you walk? You walk, you do that exercise. How many of when you're exercising, you're doing like this? Any of you? Did somebody raise their hand? I missed it. No, listen. I walk two and a half miles, three or four times a week when I have the opportunity, and I'm constantly going forward. I have never thought when I'm going, going to exercise about doing this. Our coaches did when I was in high school and college, but this isn't high school and college. I'm thinking about moving forward, right? About going somewhere. Well, that's one way the word is used. Um, but the word walk is also used figuratively, and it means to live, and this is very important, that, that little phrase there, to live in the ways of the Lord God. And the, the word live, I like a little bit better. And it's, it, it, 
works fine because it's synonymous with walk. But I like that word live because it's where I need to be. I like that, right? So I live at 1901 Croydon Circle. And I live with my wife. And I'm there with my wife. And this summer she has a reprieve because our youngest son is home. And she's like, yay! Because, back, because come August, guess who's it's going to be? Just me and her. Isn't that great? So when we think about the word live, we need to think about it all the time. All the time I'm living in light of the ways of the Lord God. It also carries with it the idea of intensely pursuing the ways of the Lord God. I mean, think about it. We intensely pursue things, don't we? Sure we do. We intensely pursue hobbies. I have a hobby. I have a few hobbies. I really like golf. That's one of my big hobbies. I really like golf. I wish I was better at it. I wish I was, but I enjoy it, and I intensely, listen, I intensely pursue shooting par every time I go out to play. And do you know what? I don't always do that. In fact, I can't think of maybe a handful of times in my whole life where I shot even par through the whole time, but I intensely pursue it. I'm not just half, haphazardly carrying my clubs out there going, oh, I'm just out here to play golf. I'm pursuing golf. I enjoy it. Whatever your hobbies are, right, you pursue those things. Well, this is a whole lot more important than any round of golf. David's talking to Solomon about pursuing the Lord and pursuing him in all his ways. It's interesting, the word walked is used several times in the Old Testament in relationship to other folks that you're aware of. So David's concerned about the walk of his son Solomon the same word is used in Genesis 5, 21 and 22 in reference to Enoch. You remember Enoch? What a unique life, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Because here's a man who walked with the Lord, and then he was no more. The Lord took him. Wouldn't that have been awesome? The Bible says to us in Genesis, Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. And then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah and he had other sons and daughters. And so all the days of Enoch were 365 years and Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Okay, guys, you realize that's two verses and it says it again in verse 24. He walked with God. That was his testimony that he walked with God. Wouldn't that be a nice thing to put on your marker one day? He walked with God. She walked with God. What a testimony. He walked with God. Well, he's not the only one. Scriptures tell us in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9 that Noah walked with God. In fact, it talks about his life, his character. It says these are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Do you know what word righteous means? Right? He was in right standing with the Lord. He was a righteous man. But I think he also pursued righteousness. You know, and, and for us as believers, we ought to pursue righteousness. Right living, that's the idea. Blameless in his time. It says, Noah walked with God. And then Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, it says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly before your God. So how is a person to walk? Humbly before their God. That's what... Scripture tells us from Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, and I believe that's even a song. 
right? It's been put into a song. And so here we have other examples, and Abraham would be another. If you want to look in Genesis 24, it tells you that Abraham walked with his God. I ran into this quote. I thought it was really good. To walk in his ways requires an intense pursuit of him. Hey, guys, and I, I am not ignorant to the problem that you and I have in intensely pursuing the Lord. Do you know what one of the greatest hindrances is? We could sum it up in ourselves by just using that word, but it's time. It's busyness. Everybody's busy. How many of you are already thinking about what you're going to eat? And what's going on this afternoon? And man, I got this from two to three, and this from four to six, and then I got the kids, and I got to put them to bed. And yeah, Lord, I'm intensely pursuing you. Did you know I got good news for you? That whatever's going on from three to four, or four to six, or seven to nine, in those times, you can intensely pursue the Lord. You don't have to wait till you have free time. Because <laughs> my friends, how many mothers do we have in this place? They're looking for five minutes. Give me five minutes. And I want to encourage you that, listen, in those times of busyness where you're marching forward, right, you can intensely pursue the Lord in those times. And dealing with kids, you probably need to. <laughs> well... What does the New Testament say about this issue? Because David says to Solomon, keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways. What does the New Testament tell us about this particular issue? Well, there's two verses I wanted to point out, then I want to kind of camp for a minute on another one. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1 says, Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. In other words, Paul's saying to the Corinthian believers, mimic my life. Mimic the way I live. Ouch. I mean, standing from afar, you look at that and go, wow. <laughs> right? But, as we know about Paul, what did he say to the Philippians? For to me, to live is what? Christ. I mean, how many of us are going, ah, I'm just trying to make it through the day. But to live as Christ. So to live as Christ when you're at your job. To live as Christ when you're at school. To live as Christ when you're hanging out with your family. To live as Christ. He's the one that gives me meaning and fulfillment to live as Christ. To die is gain. You know what he says? If I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean what? Man, if I'm to live on in the flesh, it's do what Paul wants to do. Is that what he says? No, if I'm to live on in the flesh, it means what? Fruitful labor. Ah! Guys, it's awesome for us to be able to pursue the Lord and live for him. That's what Paul says. So he says, be imitators of me just as I am also of Christ. So pursue Christ. And then this is how he puts it in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. How many of you are confident this morning that Christ lives in you? I'll see some of you, right? 
Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? Faith. Faith in the Son of God. And, and he goes on. I mean, I think his heart's just so full. Because, man, I got a new life. My life is Christ. And listen, David wanted Solomon to experience fellowship with the Lord. David was described as what? A man after God's heart. He intensely pursued the Lord. Perfectly? Man, not at all. So if you're feeling bad one day about your life and the way you're walking, just read David's life and you go, whoa. And then read the end of Solomon's life and you go, what? And guys, you know why it's like that? Because we still have this flesh that we battle every day. And it's a battle. In fact, Paul used some pretty cool words to describe that battle when he says in Romans, Oh, wretched man that I am. By the way, you know you're maturing when you look in the mirror and say, Oh, wretched man or woman that I am. Because we are wretched. This culture wants to say, Man, you're the best. You're awesome. You're wonderful. And Paul writes Romans 1 and you go, Whoa, man is not all that stuff. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Take your Bibles and go to Colossians. Let me hear those pages. It's in the New Testament. Notice the way Paul describes this issue of walk in the New Testament. Colossians 1, he says, verse 9, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, that's pretty nice, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Might I say this? That for us, we have a great advantage. When Paul is writing to the church of Colossae, did they have the full revelation of God at that point? Answer, no. What do we have? The full revelation of God so we know his revealed will, don't we? We sure do. <laughs> now look at what he says. Verse 10, so that you will what? What's that next word? Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. In other words, you walk like you belong to the Lord. A pagan, my friend, is going to walk like a pagan and going to talk like a pagan. And it won't take you long to go, huh, I got a pagan in front of me. I have had many jobs in my life. One of the... I think one of the detriments, I don't even know if that's the right word, one of the most difficult struggles, let me just put it that way, of being in the pastorate is that you're not in the world all the time. You're kind of secluded. You come to church and you camp out in your office. Years ago, I had two teenagers, teenagers walk by and say, Pastor Thad, do you just wait for people to come see you? And I'm like, yeah, that's what I do. 
but being in the office, you're isolated. You're not isolated. You're out in the world. And you're facing pagans all the time. I worked for Endure All Paints years ago. You remember Endure All Paints? I worked with some Christians, but I also worked with some pagans. It didn't take long to find, figure out, hey, this dude's pagan. And he needs the Lord. Because my friends, listen to me, and we don't ever need to forget it, the greatest need, that person that's sitting across from you at your cubicle or whatever it is, they need the Lord. They need Him. Because eternity is real. So, wow. We have an advantage. We know what God's revealed is, will is for us. And He says in verse 10, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Walk like you talk. How many people in the world are saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. We need to walk like we belong to the Lord. Notice what he says, to please him in all respects. Now here's four participles. You like participles? How many of you just love participles? Good. Glad you do. So how does that walk look? He says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him. And here are the four participles. Bearing fruit in every good work. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all power. Giving thanks to the Father. Wow. So I walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. In order that there would be fruit bearing. In order that I would increase in the knowledge of God. And be strengthened with all power. And give thanks to the Father. As I was reading and studying this. I thought man. The Christian life. If you're parked in neutral. Something's wrong. Well, so I asked myself the question. Because I got to thinking about application. How does a believer maintain their walk with the Lord? Listen, it's very, very clear from 1 Kings that David wants his son to fellowship with the Lord, to walk in his ways, to pay attention to all of the law, which at that time was 613 commands. Wow. And by the way, none of them did it perfectly. There was one who came to fulfill the law, and who was that? Jesus Christ. Well, how does a believer maintain their walk with the Lord? I give you, I'm going to give you three suggestions this morning. The first is pray continually. Pray continually. In the context of Ephesians 6.18, in the context of spiritual warfare, the Apostle Paul says this about prayer. With all prayer and petition, pray when you feel like it. Is that what he says? Pray at all times in the Spirit. Man, that almost seems like urgent. Well, in the context, it is. Because you remember, what does he say back up in verse 10? Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of what? God. That you may be able to stand against who? The enemy. So, prayer. Paul says it in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. It's just to be, I used to wonder about that verse when I was young. I was like, even when I'm driving or even, how's all that work, right? Because we think of, of, of driving and praying, we think, I gotta bow my head. No, you don't. Please keep your eyes on the road. But you can pray. It's this attitude, an attitude of prayer, which means this, an attitude of dependence, 
There's not one moment, not one second in my life where I should not be depending on the Lord God. And you know what? Solomon starts out pretty well with that if you read the book. He doesn't finish so strong, but he starts out that way. And I got to thinking, man, that's how people are. Man, I'm starting out that race, and I'm running that race, and I'm moving forward, and then... Guys, might I encourage you not to let moving forward depend on your strength and your energy, but the Lord's. And how does that happen? You say, well, how does that happen? It happens when I submit and I give him control. I say, Spirit, control me today. That's how it happens. Well, I found this quote on prayer I thought was good in terms of fellowship. He says, our fellowship with God in prayer should look like a consuming addiction in our lives. (laughs) Not a convenient addition to our lives. In other words, I'm not just adding it on to the list of things that I need to do. Man, prayer is this intimacy. I mean, I I I get God's undivided attention. I mean, how many times have you asked for it as a teacher in a classroom? I want your undivided attention. Are you kidding me? Right? I taught school. I taught 7th through 12th grade. I don't think I ever had any class that goes, Hey, I'm paying attention to you today. With the Lord, my friends, listen to me. You know how awesome this is? The Lord gives you His undivided attention. And you know what's cool? is that he's not confused by anyone else that's coming to him. And we're like, whoa! That's the kind of God we serve. He is past finding out. So it's not just a list, you know, a checklist. I I prayed today, I prayed today, and that's missing it. It's that communion with the Lord over and over and over and over and over again through my day. So walking with the Lord means I'm praying with Him, right? I'm enjoying that fellowship with Him through prayer. It means I'm reading the Word. Now, I could have picked a lot of different passages, but I thought, I'm going to pick one these guys might not have gone to yesterday in their devotions. Ezekiel. You've got to go back to the Old Testament for that. In Ezekiel, there's encouragement to do what? Eat the Word. Isn't that cool? Eat the Word. Eat the word. Eat the word. Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 8. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I'm giving you. Chapter 3 verses 1 through 3. Then he said to me, son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll. (laughs) And go. Speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he fed me this scroll. And he said to me, son of man, feed your stomach and fill your body with this scroll which I am giving you. And then it says, then I ate, I ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. I like honey. You like honey? How many of you like honey? I like honey. It tastes good. And it really tastes good with peanut butter. It really tastes good, right? Honey is just good. It's sweet. You remember Psalm 19? That's what David says about the word. Sweeter than what? The honeycomb. It's sweet. Man, it tastes good. And someone says, man, I got this novel, and it's really good. Listen to me, my friends. On that novel, the Bible, the Word of God is great. It's powerful.
powerful. It penetrates. It doesn't go away. The novel, it's going away. But the word of God is lasting. It's forever. I didn't plan on using that. That felt good to do that. I almost hurt my knee. First Timothy 4.13, Paul wrote, Until I come, give attention to the public reading of the Scriptures, to exhortation and teaching. I like what Spurgeon says, Backsliders begin with dusty Bibles and end with filthy garments. <laughs> Man, his, his quotes are unbelievable. I ran across this, this story of an old man, and the title of the story is, What Good Does Reading the Bible Do? By the way, how many of you are in our Genesis? You reading through that? How many of you have run across something you thought, man, I've never seen that before? And how many times have you read Genesis, right? It's awesome, isn't it? And if you're visiting with us today, and you're not, listen, you can catch up, right? There's, we're supposed to be in chapter 23, but we said that June has five grace days, so you can spend this afternoon reading the first 23 chapters. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So the title of this is, What Good Does Reading the Bible Do? And the story is told of an old man who lived on a farm in the mountains of eastern Kentucky with his young grandson. Each morning, Grandpa was up early sitting at the kitchen table reading from his old, worn-out Bible. His grandson, who wanted to be just like him, tried to imitate him in any way he could. One day, the grandson asked, Papa, I try to read the Bible just like you, but I don't understand it. And what I do understand, I forget as soon as I close the book. What good does reading the Bible do? The grandfather quietly turned from putting coal in the stove and said, Take this coal basket down to the river and bring back a basket of water. And the boy did as he was told, even though all the, all the way back the water leaked out before he could get to the house. And grandfather laughed and said, you will have to move a little faster next time and send him back to the river with the basket to try again. And this time the boy ran faster, but again the basket was empty before he returned home. Out of breath, he told his grandfather that it was impossible to carry water in a basket. And he went to get a bucket instead. And the old man said, I don't want a bucket of water. I want a basket of water. You can do this. You're just not trying hard enough. And he went out the door to watch the boy try again. At this point, the boy knew it was impossible, but he wanted to show his grandfather that even if he ran as fast as he could, the water would leak out before he got far at all. The boy scooped the water and ran hard, but when he, when he reached his grandfather, the basket was again empty. And out of breath, he said, See, Papa, it's useless. The old man said, So you think it is useless? Look at the basket. The boy looked at the basket, and for the first time he realized that the basket looked different. Instead of a dirty old coal basket, it was clean. Son, that's what happens to you when you read the Bible. I thought, man, that's a good story. 
Listen. There is no wasted time in this book. No wasted time. Well, one more thought for you before we close today. Serve Him continually. So we pray continually. We read the Word. We serve Him continually. That's how we walk in His ways. In fact, it's interesting that David told Solomon that. First Chronicles 28 verse 9 is, For you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve Him with a whole heart and a willing mind. And do you know what happens? And I, this is, I, I just want to try to help all of us with this. I can't do that mentality. That's what happens sometimes in churches. I just can't do that. Well, you know what, guys? I can't do this. You say, yes, but you're doing it. No, I'm not. The Lord's doing it through me. I took public speaking in high school and hated it. I got to Southeastern and wanted to change majors and, and I wanted to study all I could in the Bible and they said, hey, look, here's this, the, the course you can take, pastoral theology. I don't want to do that. I don't want to stand in front of people. Listen to me, God can do it through you. It's, it's his power. It's his strength. And David knew that Sol, right, he had served the Lord with his heart and he wanted that for Solomon. He wanted that for Solomon as well. Well, there's a couple of passages in the New Testament that point out the importance of, of serving the Lord. And in the context of the resurrection, knowing that, right, not only is Christ alive, but one day I will be raised, Paul concludes by saying in verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Underscore that. Always. Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Have you ever tried... Been, been laboring and doing something think well, how's this going to pay off I think some people quit, quit serving the Lord because they're like where's the fruit you might be dead before there's any fruit and that'd be okay because you're serving him the focus is not on what we receive but the focus is on serving him who loved us and died for us and Paul wrote it in Romans 12 verses 10 and 11 be devoted to one another in brotherly love give preference to one another in honor not lagging behind any, uh, in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So for us as believers, it's like we do have purpose. And that purpose is to serve the Lord. And do you know you can serve Him right where you are in your life? You don't have to go to Bible college or seminary. That's not a requirement. You can serve the Lord right where you are in the Christian life. Listen, David wanted his son Solomon to embrace and fellowship all of who the Lord God is. And guys, that's what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to embrace him for everything that he is. We can serve him wherever we are. And I have a video I want you to watch before the uh, praise team comes back up here. It's a video on serving God right where you are. So you guys watch this this morning. Um, when I graduated, I wanted to go to full-time ministry. That was my number one goal. But uh, funny thing, doors were closing and I found myself uh, looking for a job um, in the secular world. 
And um, over the course of time, I found a job opening at Gaida University. And part of my heart, I think, with, with, with God, and I think with wanting to do full-time ministry, is I wanted people to know Jesus. I wanted to just go overseas with the most unreached places in the world. And, and, and sort of as the process, um, I started to learn that um, there's unreached people in our backyards. And when this job at Gaidat, which is a school for the deaf and hard of hearing, um, one of the most elite schools in the world for um, the deaf and hard of hearing, um, I came in uh, just taking an interview. Didn't know any sign language, didn't know my ABCs or anything. Uh, came in for the interview, just, just love the people right away. Part of my job as an athletic trainer um, is I direct sports medicine for the student athletes on campus. I prevent, assess, and rehabilitate all the injuries that take place in practices and games. So as I started working, I started noticing as kids would get hurt or get injured that my job itself would develop a relationship with these kids. Hearing about, hey, this is what kind of family I grew up with. This is how I became deaf. This is, this is, my, this is sort of my story. And through that, um, was able to just, you know, sort of bring God into their lives. And if I'm gonna be honest, there's a certain um, level of um, ignorance that took place within me coming into a job like this. Um, because I didn't know a deaf person, I didn't know what the deaf culture was like. So to me, it was, uh, you know, a, a huge learning curve when I arrived. And what I learned is that, you know, this is, this is extremely hard soil. Um, a lot of these kids have a lot of stories of church experiences where they would be forced to go to church, but there was no interpreter. Or they would go to uh, huge charismatic events where someone would pray for them and, and nothing would happen. They would tell them to come back with more faith. And there's these, these stories that I started hearing from these kids, and I started hearing about how their experience with the church affected their view of God. And immediately what I wanted to do is I, I wanted to change that. And I wanted them to know that their deafness did not keep them away from God. And that their bad experience of Christianity wasn't the true picture of who Jesus was. It, and I found that my job really was a place of worship. It was a place where I, when I evaluated myself at the end of the day, I was saying my gifts, my strengths, that I feel like God was giving me um, was being used for his glory. Um, and it was one of those moments where I just felt, wow, thank you, God, that you were more in control of my story than I was. Why don't we all stand? You know, some mornings when we're doing um, <clears throat> music and hearing the pastor, uh, a good pastor over there teach. Sometimes things just fall in place and sometimes things seem chaotic. And this is one of, one of those mornings where the storyline, though we did not speak and talk about it, it's just a continuous storyline. And uh, we're going to end our time this morning with 10,000 Reasons. You guys know that song and I was listening to Thad. Um, the point is no matter what we're doing, who we're talking to, uh, where we're at, um, what's going on in our lives, May the name of the Lord be magnified and blessed and lifted up um, through our lives. So let's just sing this song together. Sing like 
Um, 
So, when we have children, um, they have some of our features. They look a little bit like us. They might even grow to sound a little bit like us the more they hang out with us. Um, one of the things that we can't do as parents nor grandparents is make our children have the faith we have in the Lord. It's hard for us to think about. We can't make them. We can't make them see the importance as they do come to the Lord by His grace. We can't make them see the importance of fellowship. Um, but we can pray. That's what we can do. Pray for our kids. That they would come to relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that they would come to enjoy the fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. David had great intentions. And he delivered those to his son. And his son started out well. But he didn't end up too well. Help us to finish the race well, looking to the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. I wanted to remind you of a time of fellowship with one another. July 14th, we'll be having lunch on the grounds, uh, just a good time of fellowship. Make sure you sign up. It's important to uh, be involved with one another and um, just get involved in with each other's lives and just fellowship together and around the Lord Jesus. And so I encourage you to sign up. There are sign-up sheets out in the foyer as you leave today. Do what? Excuse me, they're in the bulletin. I've been corrected. They're in the bulletin. And so look in your bulletin and you can sign up for that event. And if you can't find a handout, just call the office and we can put you on the list. All right, let's pray together as we're dismissed. Lord, we just want to thank you so much for the fellowship as believers that we can enjoy with you each and every day. And what's awesome is, Lord, we don't, we don't have to punch in or punch out. We can just continually fellowship with you. No matter what it is that we're doing, Lord, the, the fellowship with you, it should just be this overflow of our lives for just the gratefulness we have in knowing you as our Savior. And Lord, I pray that we would live for you and that, Lord, you would be in our lives moment by moment the one who is um, in charge of our lives, that we would surrender each day to you and that by your Spirit we would live to your glory and honor. Make us keenly aware of those opportunities you give us this week to be able to speak forth the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his wonderful name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.